this week's episode, we ride the hype train through an awesome week of comics. From a new Hill House title taking us into the deep, to a cool story compilation from the Marvel's Voices podcast. It's all happening now on Cover B. Welcome back, everybody. What's up? Ooh, we both came in like <laughs> yeah. really aggressive. I don't know. I was just following your lead. You were like, "Welcome back, everybody. It's your boy." And I was. I was excited. I was following you. I'm just excited. <laughs> I got a lot of energy. I'm feeling pumped. Like, yeah! I had a slushy. I'm filled with sugar. Let's go. Ah. Yeah. I'm 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 hype trained tonight. Yeah, man. It's Straight comics. up hype it's train. the most exciting thing in the world. I got, I got my brain. It's going. I'm feeling it. I'm here for it. Let's talk about plunge. Woo! Plunge. I'm. I need to calm down the hype. So plunge is a new Hill House title. So Hill House, for those of you who don't know, are is the imprint from DC that is curated by Joe Hill, who is himself was curated by Stephen King because he's Stephen King's son. Yar. Um and he looks freakishly like Stephen he King. He really does. Um and he actually wrote this one, didn't he? Yeah, he actually wrote this one uh with art by Stuart Immonen. Uh, That's a great name. The um Hill House stuff has been incredible. It's been so good. Uh, it's been very, very good. The only one I haven't totally been feeling is Daphne Byrne. I think that's Same. been the weakest one for me. Um, but I'm loving all the others. And this one is shaping up to be another one that I really freaking dig. And that's good for me because I – so I love horror. Yep. And I'm kind of at that point where I love horror so much that I don't get horrored that much. Oh, is this about to be confession time? Especially because, like, especially in, like, images. So, like, horror comics, I've never – I've only had, like, a few instances where I'm like, ooh, that's spooky. Yeah. But I've, I've very rarely been, like – felt a sense of dread and like looked over my shoulder and like beware dear reader like that kind of feeling <laughs> um <laughs> and uh but this one <laughs> i hate the ocean <laughs> yeah. i really hate the ocean and this one opens with like hey here's a giant wave consuming an island <laughs> and then like oh giant hey, squids here's this boat that is that has you know been gone since the 80s and is now sending out a distress signal and is stuck on like a shallow part of an atoll and this whole thing's going to focus on freaky shit happening on like an island and under the water and in a wreck in a shipwreck and I can't handle that I gotta but say, I can I'm here for it uh I like the thrill of the spook but it uh I know I hate it Here's the thing here's what I like about this book and I find both ironic and delightful at the same time. This book has set up every single water horror, ocean horror trope possible, mm. and it all works. There is the group compiled of, like, misfits and ragtags and people who don't want to participate but are participating for the money mm -hmm. and the, like, smart water creature studier person. Yeah. And there's, like— And 1.5 tons of dildos. Right. Yep. For whatever reason. And there's like, it's a ghost ship, sort of. And there's been like weird creatures. Mm -hmm. And there's been bodies. And like, it, it's like Jaws meets ghost ship meets 
megalodon meets I think like, I literally so like I make myself notes so that if I forget like if it's a while before we record or I have like a busy week and I'm like man what was I gonna say about this I make just like a little quick blurb. right I think the blurb I wrote down for this one was literally like it's like an eldritch jaws yeah yeah and it's yeah it it, feels... it's all of those tropes are in there but it doesn't feel forced or lame or like cheesy it yeah. just feels like oh no I am here for this. This is how I would want a movie well, to and, start. Yeah, and the yeah, I was gonna say the pacing is very cinematic. Very it cinematic. It felt very much like the setup to Jurassic Park, where oh, you yeah. like cut from person to person as like people go and be like, "Come to Jurassic Park," and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like here we're looking at you know the lawyer going to the amber mines, and here we're looking at you know the dude like getting the like the whole like. Dotson, it's Dotson, that guy. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we're looking at Grant and at his thing, doing his like, I'm gonna cut your belly open thing. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, it no, goes from, I'm like, there. Blip to blip to blip, it and also, then everybody ends up together. You it, know, it feels a little like this is a weird one, but go with me on this. It feels a little bit like Armageddon meets Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, a little bit. And um, I'm so here for that. That's yeah. great. It it feels very much. It's the beginning is very stylized, like a lot of those like '90s, 2000s, like yes, sci-fi-ish action movies. It feels where it's great. Like, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, even um, even Independence Day had an element of that where it yes. was like cutting around to everybody, and then eventually everybody like got conglomerates. So, like, you yeah. saw what Jeff Goldblum's character was doing. You saw what Will Smith's character was doing. You saw what the president was doing. You saw these people, and then like eventually everybody got together. Um, Jeff Goldblum needs to be in more stuff now is what I'm reminding myself. Yeah. I really want to watch that uh Disney Plus Oh yeah. Nat Geo thing. Where he of, just like, like is himself the and does world stuff. according to Jeff Goldblum. And I, I originally I thought it was gonna be like a nature documentary, like narrated by Jeff Goldblum, but he focuses on like everything. He just does stuff he's like, Hey, I'm living life. You wanna follow me? And I'm like, yeah. Yes. Like I think there's I do. I forget I remember seeing an episode about something. And that's what tipped me off that it was just Jeff Goldblum talking about the world. Just doing stuff. I think it was like cons or like cosplay or something. Like he that's does an episode great. talking about like nerd culture or something. I don't know. Um, I don't remember what the episode was. But anyway, Plunge is very, very solid. The pacing's really good. The characters seem really fun. Um, like I'm, a, I'm in love with the ship brothers. The like yeah. three brothers that run the scavenger thing. They're I great. agree. And um, yeah, it feels very eldritch i'm a little worried that it's gonna be like too localized on the island like i would like for it to be a little bit more underwater and spooky yeah um but i like the kind of setup that we have so far yeah i agree of like there was like a you know it opens with there being some sort of like earthquake causing like a tidal wave and you know so that could be anything you know yeah. that could be like oh shit like an underwater nuke went off or Cthulhu hath risen from the depths. I really want this to be a cluster F of all of the different stereotypical baddies in a water monster movie. Like mm. I want there to be ghosts on the ship. I want there to be a giant monster in the deep. I want there to be like a weird cannibalistic tribe on yeah. the island. That would be like, great. I if, want like... all of these things to converge at once and then to be like, what is happening? That's a Why? Fun, that's a fun concept where, like, a haunted something is, like, secondary to something else. Yes! Where it's, like, 
they get on the ship and there's ghosts and then the ghosts are doing their like ghostly thing and then like Cthulhu just like looms out of the ocean and the ghosts are like oh shit we are not as intimidating as that um, mf'er <laughs> hey hey guys we're dropping all the facades here uh there's a giant fish monster outside <laughs> he going to eat everybody corporeal or not so anyway the hill house i say it every time the hill house stuff needs to be on your pull list it's so uh, good it's very very good there's a lot of it it's there's a lot of it um but it's all been really solid and it's all just been really fun to read it's some of the stuff i'm most excited to get i agree um whether it be basketball heads or lolo woods or dollhouse family um like i said daphne Byrne is a little bit slower than me i like the second issue better than the first issue so i think it's gonna start picking up but we'll see um but yeah, it's just this is yet another one, and it's taken the horror. The horror so far has been very like, with the exception of Basketful of Heads, it's been very kind of cerebral horror, like very like a lot of it leaning into the gothic with like you know ghost houses and dark rooms and like ancient Irish folklore creatures and you know ghosts, weird burning mine towns, ghost kids and yeah like burning mine towns that feel very Night Vale and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but this one seems a little bit more like straightforward, a little bit like, like I said, eldritchy, like a little like ancient deep kind of thing. Here's a um, sci-fi channel ocean horror movie. Yeah. Have I a am, good time. I and am I am here down for that. For it. I'm really excited about this one. This is a really exciting week for me. Like it's been a while <laughs> since I've had like books that really just like kick me in the teeth. And I feel like the books this week were very good. Yeah, um, I agree. So I'm really, um, I'm excited about this episode. That's why all the hype. Hype, hype train! Hype. Woo! So, next book on the hype train. Yeah. Deceased Unkillables, number one. Yep. My comment to this is that this book is far funnier than it has any right being. It's true. <laughs> this book should be serious and sad and depressing and dreary, and it is funny as hell. Like <laughs> Like deceased was right, exactly. It's yeah. not that. It's not. It's I, amazingly so funny. This might be a hot take. I don't know. I like this way better than I like deceased. Same. And I like. I liked deceased. I was really all about deceased. I was really excited when issues came in and stuff. Yeah. But it ultimately was just like another Elseworlds title with zombies, and it's like cool. Like we've seen this before. It like superheroes fighting against an apocalypse to some degree. It's not necessarily a new concept. In fact, there's like three books out right now that are dealing with that. And four, if Ooh. you count the Wasteland oh. over on the Marvel side of stuff. Fancy. And then I'm, there's probably a Marvel title that I'm not thinking of. But just from DC, I mean, you've got Wonder Woman, Dead Earth. You've got Batman, yep. Last Night on Earth. And you've yep. got uh, this one, Deceased. Um, so you've well, got and all the old men crap. Yeah, I mean, all the that's what I was saying. If you count the Wasteland, you've oh, got yeah, yeah, Avengers yeah. of the Wasteland going on. Uh, yeah, I mean, you like putting superheroes in apocalyptic situations, not really that new. No. What I like about time. this is how it acts as a counterpoint to Deceased. So you've got the superhero spend the entire time, like the entire six-issue run, constantly being like, how are we going to get everybody out? I don't want to kill all these, like – I mean, it's not until Cyborg blows a hole in the giant lady's head <laughs> that, like, anyone even had the thought to just, like, murk a freaking zombie, you know? Yeah. And, like, Batman got taken out. And, and 
Hey, heads up. Spoilers for disease. <laughs> if um, you're not caught up, That happens spoilers. in the first issue. Get over it. Um, anyway, uh, you know, they spend so much time being, like, thinking about the people and thinking about how they're going to save the day and thinking about how they're going to, like, rescue enough people and how they're not going to kill anybody and how they're going to, like, make sure the important heroes who could do a lot of damage don't get infected, like the Flash or the Thoperman, and guess what? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's their head is always like they they approach the situation with so many like parameters and variables yeah that like it ends up working out really poorly for them yeah it does not go well and so then you flash to the more cruel characters so like this one is two kind of like parallel stories uh one focuses on deathstroke one focuses on red hood Mm -hmm. and uh it's just like you focus on these characters that are more like edgy ruthless ruthless yeah and they just don't give a shit no and they're like instantly in it you know what i mean deathstroke's like oh zombies okay (laughs) you know and like cool all right you know know what we're dealing with now (laughs) batman figured out how the thing spread and like tried to warn people and then like Tim and Dick both got infected because they weren't smart enough to figure out not to look at their phones. But you know who was smart enough? Jason freaking Todd. Jason was. Shows up and is like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you you did it. You did the damn thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, it's so funny to me that these, like, just ruthless, like you said, ruthless characters are well, just like, and oh, I, hate, I get it. I hate to say it, but, like, it's the ruthless Batgirl that survives. Yeah. Cassie Kane, she holds up. Mm-hmm. She's fine. She ain't afraid to murk a dude. Yep. Like, and it's just, it's interesting too. I feel like one of the reasons why I'm more drawn to this book than I was to the first one. But I, I again, agreed. I liked the first one a lot. But the problem I had with the first one is kind of the problem I have with a lot of the big crossover events in both in both universes, DC and Marvel, is that they always focus inevitably on the same people because inevitably the same people are the ones who could really fix everything. Mm-hmm. So, like, the DC is focused um, most of the time on dealing with and figuring out how to move forward with the trilogy. Yeah. Like, the mighty Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Trinity are like the primary people and they're the people who were replacements for their scenarios. So like we did see stuff with like green lantern and, and Dinah and mm-hmm. stuff, but like it always gets subjugated to like Superman planning with wonder woman planning with Lois yeah. trying to fit planning with Luther. Like yeah. it's just, it, it always ends up with the same people. Whereas even though there was like one issue that was solely about the magic people, like Constantine being like, we need to stop some stuff from spreading into other dimensions. Cause this is some bad juju, which is a great issue, but it still inevitably always goes back to the same people. But in this one, all those people are no longer a viable option to look at. And so we're back at the like, street levely people or the like less focused on mm. bat people and that to me is always just so much more interesting yeah, i agree like i get i uh, hot take i get bored of batman 
He's, yeah. I'm, he is not a good person. He's a moody, moody pants. He needs a therapist. And I'm just over it. It's, um. I'm just over it. It's hard to really get behind characters with little evolution. Yes. You know what I mean? And, like, while there's been Batman writers and Superman writers and Wonder Woman writers that have all had their own kind of tone on these different characters, they, I mean, they all have their things that they stand for, and they all stand for it. You know what I yeah. mean? Batman's always going to be the overprepared, paranoid one who keeps people at arm's length. Superman's always going to be the, like, smart, noble, I have to because I have to kind of guy. Yep. And Wonder Woman's going to be the one who stands for truth and for, like, bravery in the face of all odds and stuff like that. And these are all good things, and they make for good stories. But it's a lot of the stories that happen in the periphery that are more complex. Yes. And it's the characters that evolve around these, like, big bombastic personalities that are, in my opinion, more interesting. Like, it's the fact that this one essentially establishes that Jason Todd is the most on the level with Batman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Out of all of the entire Bat family, because he was able to like figure out how this shit was spreading. He wasn't even there when the shit like kicked off. So somehow he was able to like catch the zombies were happening, catch how they were happening, deduce it and not get infected. Yeah. While off on his own. And, you know, it's not the, this isn't the only writer that's done that recently. Like, in Event Leviathan, Brian Michael Bendis, like, basically established that Red Hood is the best bat person because he fought off, like, Batman, Robin, and a bunch of other really talented people and looked at him and was like, you guys are stupid and you're being played, and then, like, walked off. (laughs) And that's the thing, (laughs) is that the, the three bat people that are, like, alive right now are not good people inherently yeah like jason slaughters people yep. cassie kane murks people, people yeah and damien has recently been described in legion as baby hitler so yep. like it, it it's just interesting that we're allowed to see and focus on the characters that actually have opportunity for like character and editorial change and development mm-hmm. whereas like Bats is always going to be Bats. Like, yeah. he's, it's just, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, granted, there are, there's instances where things change. Like, Bendis has been like, hey, screw you, Superman just took off his glasses. What? What about it? <laughs> and that's been really yeah. interesting and been really, like, dynamic and has a lot of room for, for discussion. But, like, nobody, you, you have limits to what you can do with the main ones because, they are certain personalities and certain characters and certain identities and certain behaviors that just can't change. Yeah. Which is fine, but kind of boring. I just, I just like the idea of a world where the people that, like you said, the people that are typically the ones that solve the problem just aren't the best suited to solve that problem. Yep. That's actually why I really liked um, Identity Crisis so much. Yes. Because it focused on these kind of like periphery characters like green you know not not that green lantern isn't a mayor green arrow isn't a major part of justice league but it wasn't the trinity yeah and they were solving a problem because the trinity were not only 
not capable or prepared to solve the problem, but also were kind of at fault for the problem. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like they were part of the problem with yeah. the whole, like lobotomizing Dr. Light and stuff like that. Um, like it's an intense read because it, it it's just cool to think that like these characters that are always set up to be like, no matter what, if they just keep throwing themselves at a problem, it will eventually solve it, aren't cut out for it. And through the course of deceased, all three of the Trinity Trinity go down because they overexert themselves. You know? Yeah. Batman, I mean, Batman doesn't so much overexert himself as get taken out by the Bat family, which I think is very poignant for him. Um, and, you know, Superman overexerts himself trying to stop Flash. Wonder Woman overexerts herself trying to stop Superman. And all three of them are gone. And they're just not cut out to solve this problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, that actually is a similar thing that was happened recently. One of the reasons why I really liked the Green Lantern Black Stars mm -hmm. um, run, the entire, it was a three-issue mini. Um, and it's relevant because Green Lantern number, the next chapter came out. Season. Yeah, yeah. season two. Um, number one came out this week. Good read, by the way. Weird. Sometimes hard to follow. Still really good. Graham Morrison. He, he's sometimes hard to follow. <laughs> you kind of have to, like, I find myself rereading pages. Um, but the second issue of Black Stars focuses on Earth. And in this new reality world that has been whatever, it's so interesting because, like, so they're constantly fighting the same stuff and it's incredibly meta and incredibly poignant and and completely points out that like superman keeps trying to fight the same people and now they're just evolutions of the same baddies and evolutions of the evolutions and they've stopped even trying to do the initial crimes and now they're just directly attacking superman and superman's trying to keep john from joining the black stars but john just wants to get out of the circle and batman can't get his crap together and all of gotham is attacking batman because they don't even care about the original crimes and <laughs> wonder woman has put down her lasso and has picked up a sword and is now like like castrating villains oh jesus like it was it was the most meta self-aware issue i sat there reading it and my jaws just hanging open i was like damn <laughs> oh dip you are calling out yeah. the current status quo real hard but it's just it's interesting it's yeah. interesting when you put things on their head yeah i i am really Really excited about this one. I'm bummed it's, I think it's just like a three issue mini, so I'm kind of bummed about that. Uh, but Tom Taylor is doing a really bang up job. Yes. And like, honestly, even if none of what we've said is of interest to you, the face that the artist drew on Jason Todd when Jim Gordon calls him Robin <laughs> is absolutely worth it. Yeah. Just 100% worth it. So definitely check out Unkillables. Like, it's very good. Yeah, it's really, it's very funny. It's it is very, very funny. funny. It's painfully funny. Um, another big release this week is Wolverine, number one. So continuing the Dawn of X stuff and okay. all the new X titles, this is kind of the late comer. All the others are at like their seventh or eighth issue. Okay, they um, waited on this one a little bit. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people, like Wolverine came back the summer of last year. He, right. Because he was killed off years ago. Yeah. And was dead for quite a while, and everyone knew they'd bring him back eventually, and then eventually we got Return of Wolverine, and he was there, and he was kind of, like, hanging out inside, and 
he like got an infinity gem when the whole infinity wars thing came on and then ended up giving it to black widow and disappearing again so like wolverine was bebopping around for a while um it never really like came back and everyone was kind of like what the f like (laughs) why don't we have more wolverine like give give us a solo wolverine title and i think what happened is it was probably like you know the people at marvel that wanted to bring wolverine back and then the people that mar at marvel that were also like navigating this x-men relaunch right um and thus we never got a wolverine title and so wolverine like jumped in with uncanny and then the whole like uh you know uh age of x-man thing happened right and then boom house of x powers of x and now here we are um what i like about this i so you know again i i feel like i'm constantly saying like i'm not really much of a bleh person um <laughs> but i i've never really been much of a wolverine guy like i've never really gotten behind the like machismo angle and like oh he's muscles and beard and claws yeah he drinks beer and smokes yeah. cigars and kills people yeah it's like oh lumberjack with knife hands that's so baller <laughs> um never really been there uh I I was always kind of on the in the camp that was like wow Wolverine's just kind of like a Deus Ex Machina figure you know what I mean it right. was like we have a problem oh no they took out Wolverine really quick oh he healed problem solved everything's fine you know and they took his healing factor away but he still kind of was just stale kind of like what we were saying about right. Batman like there wasn't a whole lot of evolution there and um, one of the most interesting times for Wolverine was when he and uh, Scott kind of like broke when they had the schism thing um, and Wolverine went on to you know show that he's a little bit more of a gentle soul and that was kind of a big part for Wolverine and then eventually they killed him off um, but I, I really dug this one the cool thing about it is it for a first issue it was effectively like two issues that's cool it literally has like a stopping point in the middle where like issue number two pops up <laughs> you know what i mean it's like story story like a full comic issues worth of story and then like a break and then like another full oh comic that's nice worth of story that's cool um and the stories it set up were really cool and i like i think they've done something cool that's gonna keep wolverine from getting stale and they establish it very early on effectively what they've done to make wolverine less of like this unstoppable powerhouse is they've made him happy oh They've taken away his, like, he's really all in on Krakoa and, like, really feeling it. And huh. so he's less on his guard all the time. So he's, like, very, like, he's not always prepared. He's not super paranoid, like, super aware. And honestly, this is what I thought they were going to do with Batman when Batman got married. And then they didn't let Batman get married. <laughs> um, I thought they were going to be like, oh, Batman's happy now. And so he's going to, like, maybe not do the whole, like, cheesy, like, I can hang up the cowl. But he's going to, you know, give his Bat family more time in the streets. And he's still going to do a lot of Justice League stuff. But he's going to be, like, less on his game. You yeah. You know what I mean? Less, like, in the um, thick of it all the time. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're establishing here for Wolverine is that, like. Well, that's cool. He's happy. He's content. So he doesn't feel the need to constantly be on guard. But in a way, that's made him a little bit more brash and like reckless when he like goes out on missions right and also a little bit more like susceptible to people getting the jump on him oh 
And uh, I like that. I think that's really cool. I think that's a cool, it's like... It's an interesting dynamic to take with him. It's because there are superheroes that are basically defined by their flaws. Their, like, effective skill set is because of their flaws. Yeah. And he was one of them. He's constantly prepared. He doesn't really trust people. Doesn't really let people in. Keeps people at an arm's length. Yeah. And, like, you know, always, like ready for something to hit him you know what i mean like always on guard and always prepared and you take that away and yeah it removes his flaws because he's more open with people and he's more caring and he's more like willing to share and like this book literally opens with him playing hide and go seek with a bunch of kids and it's adorable so cute Um, he's more compassionate also i really like that marvel is just like throwing tons of like jabs at how short he is oh my god that's been my most favorite thing recently it's super hilarious they did that in the black cat book recently which mm-hmm. as you guys know i've been very wishy-washy on that book but this this one of the most recent issues was her hanging out with him in madripoor just like doing black cat stuff and she's she towers over him she's like twice his size she mm-hmm. picks him up at one point yeah. like it's hilarious yeah. <laughs> captain kate does the same thing to him in this she yes! literally just like grabs him and he's kind of just like boink <laughs> and there's like one part where like gene gray picks him up with her mind and he's just kind of like floating like legs off the ground like <laughs> it's super funny um it's so good they do hint at like the sexual tension between him and gene I really just want it to have a name. Like, I'm totally fine if they want part of Krakoa being perfect is that, like, Gene, Scott, and uh, Logan. Logan are polyamorous, and they have, like, a thruple going on. I'm totally fine with that. Or even a, or, a quad with Emma involved. Yeah. Or if they're doing the whole, like, he loves her, but she loves him, but he loves her kind of thing that they did in the past. Yeah. You know, like... Scott and Emma are going to be boning in secret and Logan and Jean going to be boning in secret. And, you know, I just want it to be established because it just feels like cheeky little jabs right now. And it's kind of just like, what's the point? Is there a point? Like, is there like substance to this? Is this just like part of me is like when it if it starts to become a story arc, I'm probably going to pull back from whatever title it becomes a story arc in because I really don't like the like soap opera-ness of that X-Men, X-Men can be. Stuff. Yeah. And I've pulled away from titles before when they get that way. Um you pulled away from like X-Men Blue and Blue and Gold. gold I bailed right? on both because they, they in did one that. week there was t- an issue of each came out in one week and they were both predominantly about who's dating who. There was, like, very little action, and it was just like, oh, I think I love Jimmy Hudson, but Scott and I share a brain. Oh, and I'm sorry. I thought I was reading X-Men, not Sweet yeah. Valley High. Yeah, and it was like, oh, Rachel Summers, I've always loved you. And <sighs> yeah, and, you know, they had the whole, like, Colossus <laughs> and Kitty Pride thing happening, and then the Gambit and... Rogue thing Rogue happening. thing happening, which I'm fully in support of, Gambit and Rogue. I love that they're still married. I love a lot of their like dialogue and shit and Excalibur has been really dope. Like they had a whole conversation about how women shouldn't be defined by the, their choice to have or not have babies. 
Um, Hell yeah. And it was really dope. Love that. It was like, why can't I just be in love and married? Why does that always have to lead to, lead to having a baby? It does not. Tell me, Tom King. Why? Yeah. Um, anyway. Ooh, oh, I want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I kind of just want that to get out in the open so I know. Um, mainly because I don't want to be, like, really invested in a title. And then, like, one issue comes in and it's like, <gasps> Logan, you're boning my wife. I'm not boning your wife. She's boning me. And that's, like... <laughs> That's what I get to deal with when I go in just wanting to find out more about the pollen or more about the vampires. You know what I mean? But this book does a lot of cool things. It sets up, like, in one book, it sets up two potential very big X-Men stories. Um, and they're both very Wolverine, but, like, some of the cooler stuff that Wolverine's done. Like, the first story feels very, like, his X-Force gray suit days. Where yeah. they were dealing with, like, drug cartels and shit like that. Right. Um, and then the second one feels very, I guess, also those kind of days. I think he – but there was, like, a period in um, the mid-2000s, I think, where the X-Men went up against Dracula. I think that's when Jubilee became a vampire. Oh, Back when okay. she was a vampire, which – worst thing to happen to Krakoa is that she's not a vampire anymore. I really miss Vampire Jubilee. <laughs> she was a badass. She was um, a badass. I was here for that. But yeah, uh Yeah, they uh went up against like Dracula and shit and it's looking like that's going to come back. Oh, um, okay. All so right. So it's it's looking like the setup and I think this was genius cuz they've already established it in other things. They established it in the Avengers run that the vampires were kind of like making moves to get their own nation. Right. They effectively like dropped Dracula in like Siberia or some shit. And Dracula's like, this will be a great country. And then, like, goes off to rule his new country. <laughs> and so, like, I guess the whole setup here is that, you know, the vampires are looking at mutants and they're like, well, they get sovereignty. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We want it, too. We want our nation to rise. Yeah, that would um, uh, be super cool. But, yeah, we'll 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 see. I, I do like this issue, though. It's a really good first issue. Nice. Um, it's definitely worth picking up. I think uh, even if you're not a Wolverine fan, if you've just been keeping up with all the X-Men stuff, it's definitely worth checking out. They did a really good job kind of making Wolverine feel fresh. Nice. Know? Very so. cool. Well, the last one I wanted to talk about today is sort of meta for us as a podcast because it's Marvel Voices number one, which is a one-shot based around the podcast Marvel Voices. Nice. Um. And it's a collection of stories that you can read alongside, like, interviews and storytellings that were from the podcast. So it kind of, like, it all ties in together. And it's a bunch of different authors and some really interesting author choices. And, like, it's just very interesting. Like, Method Man has a story. Nice. And it's awesome. Like, and like Charlemagne, the God has a story where he makes himself a character. (laughs) Okay. It's just like, it's just really interesting. And like, that is really cool. And like Roxane Gay has a story and like, I don't know. It's just, it's cool. There's just a lot, there's a lot going on in this book. It's a very unique, like, yeah. And some of the, and some of the stories are kind of like silly and cutesy. Like there's like a race between um 
like a like a effectively a drag race, but like a really high tech intense drag race. And it's like the two front runners are the princess of Wakanda herself nice. and a team from Krakoa. And they're like oh. talking <laughs> and they're talking smack the whole time. And they're like racing and smack talking. And then they end up crashing into each other and neither one wins. And it's just like really interesting. Like these really cute, clever, weird, kind of like would be out of place anywhere else type of stories. Yeah, yeah. You know? And like. It's cool to give some credence to like different ways of storytelling or like different like perspectives on storytelling and not just like hey here's this comic book writer who's been writing comic books for years and wants yeah. to write more comic books here's their comic book you know what i mean it's right like, hey here's this person they have their own way of viewing the marvel universe here's the story they want to tell right you know what i mean and there's like a story from um like silver surfer and there's stories about she hulk and like <laughs> there's a humorous story about ant-man d- screwing with nick fury this was f- amazing there's a story about ant-man screwing with nick fury pretending like he's on the wrong roof but he's on the right roof he's just small and he's floating but nick can't tell because he has no depth perception because he only has one eye <laughs> Oh my god, that's so funny. It's so clever. I can't. Oh, it's so good. It's just, there's just such weird little gems in this book. Yeah. Like, it, it's worth it. It it's sounds just, just it sounds just refreshing. Yes. It sounds like the cold glass of sweet tea on the porch of comics. Yes, and like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's some like, more like, intense and, and sentimental and like, there's a one pager all about like, the the love is love you know yeah like it and 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 like there's stuff like that and then there's like dark darker stuff and like you know observing the world and what the world is for what the world is and like stuff like that but like i don't know it's just i really enjoy books like this these kind of like one pagey type um combination books Mm -hmm. where where there's just like a whole lot of variety going on kind of like back when i think it was this past was it might have been this past one it might have been two years ago but there was like an x-men christmas edition yeah where it was just like a compilation of just like stories that was like an advent calendar so it was like 25 stories yeah Yeah. and like it doesn't have to do anything like there's no expectations on it it doesn't have to like prove itself or be like oh we're we're important and look at this cliffhanger don't cancel us like it's, yeah, there's it's none of story, that it's just here here's story stuff not like a story or series of stories not concerned with the status quo yes they're going to exist they're going to tell their story and that's it it's just like a to b it's done <laughs> it's not trying to leave a bunch of like cds and e's off you know into their own direction it's just like boop here we go the best story in this whole compilation and then i'll stop spoiling stuff but the best story in the whole thing is told from the perspective of the spider that bit silk and And i believe and i think miles i think i thought it was pete it might be Pete. yeah i think silk got bit by the same one as pete and it's really touching like 
dope. This spider has gone through hell. Gone through some shit. And what it's doing now and how it's presented is just, uh, (laughs) ugh. I don't like spiders. You are valid, spider. Spiders freak me out. I I have mad arachnophobia. I have screamed like a little girl (laughs) when I have seen big old spiders in my house. And I live in the part of the country where they get big. They do get big. And I don't like it. But this spider... You live in America's Australia. I do. This spider, she is worthy. She is valid. She is not, You are valid. She is wonderful and brave, and she has earned her place in my heart. Yeah. She's like... It's like her and Charlotte. That's the only spiders in there. F's in the chat for spider. F in the chat. <laughs> <sighs> but that's that's Marvel Voices. It's, nice. it's cute. Really it's cool. short, sweet. It's got cool, like, audio stuff to go with it. I kind of want to check out that, pack, that podcast, too. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. It, it's just cool, man. It's cool. Dope. Shout out. Shout yeah. out to the cool stuff in the book. Yeah, hey. Go get it. Yeah. Nice. Maybe we'll be on Marvel Voices one day. <laughs> Aww. Please. <laughs> please. please Consider me. Hey. Anyway, I think that's going to do it. Yeah, that is it for this week. Uh, we have quite a few left over that we're going to do on a blog post. Yes, we're going to we'll do a an honorable mentions. Yep. We'll have those coming. Uh, it was a very exciting week. There's a lot of good stuff on the show. A lot of good lot stuff of good going continuation on. Continuation issues and stuff like that. Big old handful of black label stuff from DC, which is really exciting. Uh, yeah, it's just a cool, cool week. Good week. Yeah. yeah. Good week. Let's see it keep rolling. Let's keep yeah, the momentum. Let's, yeah. Let's keep the hype. Hype keep train. The hype, hype train. If you yeah. want, if you want to stay hype trained and get even more Cover B, you can find us on our website, coverbpodcast.com. Huh? Yeah, get online and crush that website. Crush it. And then if you want even more, you can go on our social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Cover B Podcast. Do the do. Yeah. Don't, like, I don't want to plug. X Games. Whoa, no, we're not plugging other people's stuff. We want to keep them to us. Don't distract I'm just you. shouting any, like, extreme thing I can think of. Uh, we've had some trickle down economics. Whoa, that is not a thing that you want to (laughs) shout. Anyway, we hope you had a really great week. We hope you have a great weekend. We hope you check out even more Cover B, and we will see you on the flip side. The Titanic was an inside job. Oh my god. (laughs) Bye, guys.